right, as we continue our uh, study, um, Winning the Battle in Your Mind, this is the third uh, message that I will preach of five. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we have looked at verses in the Bible that deal specifically uh, with issues like anxiety or, or worry, fear, discouragement, depression, those kind of subjects. It's amazing how many times the Bible directly addresses those very topics, those very issues that you and I deal with or struggle with. For example, we looked at Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, which says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. Last week we looked at Romans chapter 8. A lot of that chapter we studied, especially verse 28, where it says, um, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called, according to his purpose. Uh, last week, I, I went kind of fast over uh, one point that I made, and I wanted to revisit that one point, and, and then from there, just kind of launch into the, the passage of Scripture that we will be studying today. But that one point goes something like this. God is for you. God is for us. He is not, in fact, the Bible explicitly says this. God is for us. God is not against us. After prayer meeting on Wednesday night, uh, one of our deacons, he shared with me something really profound, and not to mention anybody's name, but Tom told me that, um, Dr. Collier, he said, you know, the, the greatest lie of the devil and so many people, unfortunately, have bought into it, is this, that God is holding out on you. God's holding out on you. He's really not for you. It goes back to the Garden of Eden when the serpent said to Eve, did God really say that? Can God really be trusted at his word? Well, I just want you to know that God is for you. He loves us. He allows things to happen to us that we would not choose of our own volition, of our own accord, but God allows those things and he, he redeems those things and he allows us to live long enough so that we could look back and see the hand of God, the favor of God, that we could say, God, oh goodness, I, I didn't understand as I was going through that, but now I see it. I, I see it clearly that God, you were orchestrating the events. You were working things out for my good. As Chuck Swindoll says, he famously says, Romans 8, 28. It's still in the Bible, and it is. It's still there. And by the way, I know uh, that many of you uh, are walking through the pre-fulfillment of Romans 8.28. Um, I have never received so many emails, phone calls, and discussions as I have this last week. And, and I just want you to know, I cherish that. I read, every, and some of them are very, some of them are many essays and books. I'm, I'm telling you, it's amazing. But I've read them. I love it, and I just want to beg your forgiveness because I have not been able to respond to everybody yet, but I promise you I am going to respond. It'll probably be this week I am responding because me bringing up some of the things that I deal with with mental illness, some of you deal with that, and, and you are, have a proclivity, as your pastor does, a propensity toward anxiety and depression, and it's caused a lot of things to well up within you, and you've, you've expressed them and verbalized them on the phone. And I just want you to know, I, I'm honored that you would share that with me, and I'm, I'm praying for you. 
and I know that you're praying for me. For example, I got an email this past week, and I told her just a few minutes ago, I said, I'm not going to mention your name, but I am going to quote you, and she just kind of smiled. She says, well, I'm honored that you're going to quote me, and she wrote me a sweet email this week about, I mean, some of the things we deal with, y'all, it's, it's, it's profound, isn't it? Some of the things you guys are dealing with today is extremely profound. Uh, this sweet lady and her dad were not able to reconcile, and she tried, but uh, they were at odds, and, and, and she called the hospital, and he didn't pick up, and, and he slipped into eternity, with, and, and they were not able uh, to reconcile. She is a child of an alcoholic father. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I know my hand would go right up in the air. If you know of or, or are you a child uh, of an alcoholic parent, my dad was. My dad was severely beaten. My dad was severely beaten by his alcoholic mother. And so sometimes, you know, we pass those sins on to the next generation, but praise God, we don't have to. <laughs> we don't have to. And so she's sharing with me that she went to um, a Bible conference, and a lady was speaking at the conference, and, and she sat there, and she goes, you know, I, I'm here to, to listen, and, uh, and she's still dealing with, the, you know, the emotions, the raw emotions of, of forgiveness, and, and the lady spoke, and she said, you know what, I feel like I am not supposed to speak on what I planned on speaking on. I think God wants me to speak on uh, how to help those children of alcoholic fathers, can you imagine what this lady was experiencing? She was sitting there going, oh my goodness. After the conference, uh, my friend went up to the lady and talked to her. And this is what the lady said. She said, you are angry with your heavenly father for giving you the dad that you got. You're angry with your heavenly father and you need to get past that and ask God to forgive you. And that's exactly what she did. And she was able to reconcile with the Heavenly Father. And even though he had passed away, she was able to, in a sweet, dynamic, divine way, reconcile with her earthly father. And now today, she says, I can't tell you how many times God gives me opportunities to minister to those who have alcoholic uh, parents. And she says, God has redeemed those hard times and empowered me so that I can be able to help those who are going through I really wish I didn't have to go through some of the stuff I go through. I know many of you wish, God, why do I have to go through this? But let me, let me encourage you with this. There, there are three things I want you to think about. Number one, God allows it. He will bring it about for good. Um, God is working in your life. And please catch this last thing. This is something we often forget. That God allows certain things because he's going to allow you and use you to help people. And in ways that you could help them that you never would have been able to help them had you not gone through what you went through, okay? And so, uh, Romans 8, 28, yes, it's still there uh, in the Bible. Before I read my main passage, let me, let me read this passage of Scripture to you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, And Jesus said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. And I want you to just wrap your heart and your mind around that. Uh, men and, and women alike. That God's grace is, it's enough. Uh, his strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, let us gladly boast in our infirmities uh, that the power of Christ may rest upon us. So uh, today and the next couple of weeks, we're looking at the Bible and we're looking at the thought of how we can win those battles that we all face 
within our minds. Now, again, I know some of you do not deal with this on the level that I do, and I get that. And some of you deal with this on a level even greater than I do. And some of you are here today, and you're like, I just... I, I, I don't get it as, as much because I just don't worry about anything. I just trust God about everything, and, and I just live a carefree, worry-free life. And to you, I just say with green on my face, God bless you. You know, I, I, that's exciting. I'm, I'm happy for you. But let us all be honest. Wouldn't we all say there are times things happen and we become anxious in our minds, right? We, we, we do get worried. We do get a bad report, or we do get a phone call that we were not anticipating, or we some, some curse of words that somebody pronounced over us, the, the devil brings that up, and we start to engage that. And so today's passage of Scripture, I tell you, it is just phenomenal. It has helped me, and it continues to help me tremendously. I've memorized it. Uh, I would invite you to do the same thing. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6, 7, and, and even verse 8. Verse 8 is a little lengthy, but let's read it or let's, uh, let's quote it together. The Bible says, be anxious for, y'all want to help me with that one? For nothing. Do you really think it means that? Don't worry about anything, but in everything, pray about it. Now, this is God's Word telling you and me how we can get victory and win the battle in our minds over worry, over fear, over discouragement. He goes, God's Word says, don't worry about it, but pray about it. And in the midst of your prayers and supplication, even be thankful in the midst of it. Some of you maybe have not read this passage of Scripture before. It's been a long time, and you're like, well, wait a minute. Let me make sure I understand. God's telling me I don't need to worry. I need to pray, and in the midst of my prayers, I need to be thankful. Listen, guys, men and women, one of the most powerful and therapeutic things that God could ever tell you is this, be thankful. Be grateful. Okay, I'm having a hard time getting through this passage. Let me be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, uh, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, y'all ready for this one? Meditate on these things. So that's the passage of Scripture I want to look at with you for a few minutes this morning. Just kind of break it down and um, just pray that God speaks to you and encourages you as he has to me, uh, especially this week. First of all, the first thing I want to share with you, this is really profound. Are y'all ready for it? Nothing means Nothing. Just wrap your mind around that. Is it coming up on the screen? If y'all could join me, catch up with me here for just a second. Nothing means uh, nothing. And when the Bible says be anxious for nothing, it, it says we are not to allow anything to so overpower us and overcome us that we would actually uh, fall prey to it and become anxious or, or worried about it. I just want you to let that sink into your heart and to your mind. Oh, there it is on the screen. I want you to see it. Nothing means nothing. Nothing. And for the child of God, where there's really, 
If, if we believe the Bible and we believe that God will even work out our hardships and our pain and our difficulty for his glory and for our everlasting good, if we really believe that, then we shouldn't worry about it. Yeah, but, but yeah, I'm going through this right now and I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing this tragedy right now and I, I'm, on the, I'm on the verge of divorce right now and I'm, I'm bankruptcy right now and I, and I just got all these things going around in my mind and God says, stop worrying. It's interesting that the same word that Paul uses when he says, do not be anxious, merimanao, is the same Greek word that Jesus used three times in Matthew chapter 6. Let's look at this passage of Scripture. Are you familiar with this one? Therefore I say to you, Jesus said, do not worry about your life. Same word, identical word that Paul uses in Philippians chapter 4. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. And don't worry about your body, what you're going to put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. He says it again in verse 31. Therefore, do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all of these things the Gentiles seek. But your heavenly Father, he knows this. And he knows that you need all these things. But notice what Jesus says to counter our propensity to worry, he says, do this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Can I just translate it this way? And you get everything. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Therefore, for the third time in almost the same breath, Jesus says, therefore, stop it. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The word um, anxious or the word worry, a good definition of it is to be troubled with this world's cares. Uh, to be overrun in your mind with the, with the cares of this, of this world. In the first instance in verse 25, I know there are three instances where Jesus says don't be anxious or don't worry. But the first one is an interest. It's a totally different Greek construction as the other two. Uh, the other two are statements of fact, you, therefore, why are you worrying or do not worry? But the first one is a present imperative. And when it uses this certain Greek construction, a great translation of what Jesus just said in verse 25, here it comes, stop. He says, stop worrying. Is there anybody here today that Jesus is telling you, stop it, stop worrying? Now, that's, that's a whole lot more powerful coming from him than it is coming from me, right? And he's saying, don't, don't worry about it, but trust in me. Have faith in me. And isn't it, isn't it astounding how many times every, it seems like, it, it seems like the Bible is on replay, it's on repeat, and it's like, don't worry, but trust God. Your mind, it only has so much bandwidth. And if you're using your mind to be absorbed in fear and, and anxiety and, and worrying, then you cannot simultaneously, let me rephrase that. I cannot simultaneously trust in God and be at peace and be in a good place with the Lord and with my family and with you and my church family if my mind is just twisted and it's occupied and, there, and there's fear and, and I'm just battling all these, these raw emotions and Jesus says, stop. Stop. Who needs to hear this today? Some of you are worry warts, right? <laughs> Some of you are just like, yeah, but I, I just get all worked up. And 
but surely there's a few things that God will, I know he'll give me a pass and he'll let me worry. Can I just tell you, nothing means nothing. Okay, number two, um, I almost said everything means everything, but let me phrase it this way, pray about everything. That's what he says, pray about everything. Some of you are like, that's silly. God, God's not interested in that. He, he's running the universe. He doesn't have time. Yes, he does. Can I just say it like this? If it concerns you, it concerns him. If it is on your mind and, you know, students, you're like, well, I'm, I'm facing this exam and this test and, and, and surely God doesn't, he doesn't get all concerned about me in this history test or this math test. Look, if you're concerned about it, you talk to the Lord about it. It says pray about uh, everything, big things and small things. I've written a prayer here for me and I'm gonna share it with you and I hope this helps you. God, you know all things. And you know that my heart is tempted right now to worry and to be anxious because of what just happened. But I give it over to you, and you see it, you heard it, you know it, and how it impacted me. So I choose to thank you, God, in this storm, knowing that you are good, and you're going to work it all out because you're just good like that. Thanksgiving is so uh, critical. And I know it seems counterintuitive in the midst of whatever it is that you're dealing with, to have the mental wherewithal to stop and to be able to say, but God, I choose thanksgiving. This is something my wife is just fantastic at. You know, my wife was going in college. She was doing great. I almost said until I came along. But anyhow, she's, she's doing great in school and she's getting her degree and she's gonna be a counselor. That, that's what Ashley was studying. She was doing fantastic and and uh, so we got married, and she never finished her college uh, degree, uh, but God gave her an assignment. You know, he gave her me. And it's amazing how all her gifts and skills in, in counseling, and, and all, all my family know this, all of our kids and our in-laws, and everybody knows that, that Ashley is just a jewel. I mean, she is so wise and, and she's so compassionate, and, and, she, and she listens. But this is something she counsels me every day. And this is the way Ashley and I roll. I mean, I'm wide awake at, at night, you know, and I'm just, I'm just like ready to go at 10 o'clock and just looking at it around and I need to read. I need to watch uh, sports or something to calm down. She's out nine o'clock. She's like, love you. See ya. And she, so I reach over and we pray together every night. We hold hands and we pray together. And, and, and guys, I know, it's, uh, I know it's Mother's Day and the focus is not on us, but can I just encourage you to do that? Daniel Van Cleve, eight years ago, shared that in public and I was like, I need to do that. And so God used Daniel to really speak to my heart, to reach out and pray for my wife. Now, every morning, Ashley, she's, she's ready to roll. You know, I, I, I make her coffee, I give it to her in bed. Amen, she said, amen. <laughs> I bring, she don't even have to get up. I just bring it to her. But before I leave that house, she goes, all right, basically it's my time. And she's gonna pray over me. And without fail, Lord, I just wanna thank you. And sometimes I don't wanna hear that, you know? I just want her to feel, feel sorry for me, you know? And, and, and be concerned more for me. But she won't do that. Thank you, Lord, you're in control. No matter what, God, you're gonna work all things out yeah, 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 but you know what? She's right. Don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. And while you're at it, be, be thankful. And I want you to hear me out on what I'm about to share with you because this is hard to say, 
Uh, but it's true in my life, and I think it's true in a lot of your lives as well. The problem is us. The problem is us. We, we have a hard time being thankful because we have gotten entrapped in the cage of bitterness and even unforgiveness. And, it, and it's unthinkable for some of you and for me at times to, to be thankful because a lot of our anxiety is self-inflicted. It really is. The, the greatest battle oftentimes is the battle that you look in the mirror. I was thinking about a family member even today. He was always unhappy and he died an early death still mad at the world, still believing that the world owed him that he was always wronged, he was always misunderstood, and he was always, and he was always the victim, and he stayed in a cage of bitterness. And so I wanna, I wanna give you a little key that's gonna get you out of your cage of bitterness. Actually, there's two keys, forgiveness and being thankful. It works every time. Forgive and be thankful. Speaking of Daniel, up here on the second row, he sent me a great uh, text this week, and I had heard, Daniel, this before about hit. Uh, the devil hits us when we are hungry and isolated and tired. Some of y'all are going, that's really good. Y'all might want to jot that down. The devil hits us when we are hungry physically. Some of y'all just get plain hangry, don't you? You get hungry and angry, and, and it's ugly, right? And not only are you hungry physically, but many of you are emaciated spiritually because it's been so long since you read your Bible and since you prayed, and boy, you're just open game for the evil one. That's the first H, is hungry. I is isolated, alone, disconnected. Disconnected from your family, from your faith, from your community, loss of identity. And the T, he hits us when we're tired. Tired physically, tired uh, spiritually. We don't take rest like we should. And all this amalgamates into a, I mean, it's, it is like a, a cauldron. It's just about to explode. And the last thing on your mind and on my mind during this, these moments is being thankful. But if there was a way that you could just catch your breath and say, God, I choose forgiveness and I choose thanksgiving, I promise you, you, God will just work miracles in your mind and he will release you. I was reading uh, Pastor Louis Giglio's book, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. Um, next, next week, when, if you come back or if you listen online, I'm, I'm, I'm literally borrowing the title of his book and making it the title of my sermon. It's called Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at your table, at your mental table. He talks about a guy who was in his church, and he, he asked him, he says, well, how's it going? I haven't seen you in a while. How's your job? And the guy says, my job's terrible. Job's terrible. He said, in fact, I, I, just, I just resigned. The boss is against me. My colleagues are always saying things about me, and so I just resigned. And, and Louis, Pastor Louis, like, oh, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll be, I'll be praying for you. Three months later, he saw him again at church. He goes, hey, man, how's it going? And you, how's your new job? It's terrible. 
Job's terrible. The boss is against me. They talk about me, and, and I, just, I just quit. I just resign. He goes, well, really? He goes, well, I'm so sorry. Well, how's your family? Terrible. Terrible. What, tell me about your wife. I'm leaving her. She's always bothering me and nagging me. You know what? Her parents never liked me in the first place, so it's over. I thought, man, that's sad. Is that sad? Is some of you like that? You know who the problem is? You're the problem. <laughs> no, you really, you are. It's not your bosses. It's not your, your spouses. And heaven knows it's not your kids. It's you. It's you. Look him in the mirror. Look at her in the mirror and say, God, it's me. Now watch this. When you get to that point, hell is going to dissolve before you. The demons, the, the atrocity in your mind, they are going to fall because you are finally coming to yourself going, watch this. True, there are things I cannot control. True, there are things that have happened to me that I wish had not have ever happened to me. And there are things that I battle with. But here's the thing, here's the thing. I, I can't control that. I can't deal with that. That's, that's between them and God. But here's what I can control. And you look yourself right in the mirror and say, here we go. God, forgive me. And I want to choose today to be thankful. Third thing I want to share with you, there are only four things. Number three is focus on the positive. Or focus on verse 8, where Paul, he just lists these things. He says, we are to focus on that which is good and lovely and pure and just and has a good report and is trustworthy. And he goes so far to say, and watch this in verse 8, he goes, meditate on it. Logizomai is the Greek word. It's a present imperative. He's saying, I'm commanding you. I hope you're listening. Because this, this will change your life. This, this will totally lift you from depression and anxiety if you meditate with your mind on that which is wholesome, that which is good. Y'all, I'm telling you, this, this is my battle. I, whew, I am my greatest enemy. Uh, in my mind, I mean, things can be going so great and out of nowhere, this missile, missile from hell, just like, it just lands right on top of my head. And, and I have an opportunity there to just give that back over to the Lord and choose to be thankful or I can choose and allow it just to explode in my head. And when I'm thinking and when I'm in, in my right mind spiritually, I am able to say, God, you take this. I have no control over this. And Lord, I'm going to choose to be thankful in this moment. And I'm going to let you take care of the extenuating circumstances. Forgive me, Lord, of any part and every part that I have played. And now, God, I'm going to walk forward in peace. Focus uh, on, on these things. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. I cannot wait to preach this sermon next week. And I wouldn't be surprised if the devil tries to show up in church next Sunday because I'm coming after him. I mean, I'm coming with the word of God and with the prayers of you, our people. I'm gonna talk to you next week about how the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Here it comes, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And that's what we're gonna talk about next week. How do we do that? When do we do that? I can't wait to share that with you. And I, I really believe 
it's, it, there's going to be some, some spiritual warfare, some dynamic spiritual warfare. So I'm going to ask you to be praying. If you got some time Wednesday night, we only got a couple more Wednesday nights, but if you got some time, you want to come pray on Wednesday, let's come together corporately. Some of y'all come and tell me, what we need, we need to be a praying church and you never show up. <laughs> I'm like, well, we're praying on Wednesday night and you're just rebuking me that we're not a praying church, but you never come and pray with us. Well, don't rebuke me, okay? Come and pray with me. I mean, again, we only got a couple more Wednesday nights. Pray. Yeah, yeah, I'm busy. Let me tell you, I can give you a picture of busyness, all right? I know busy, but I'm not too busy to pray. The Bible says let's pray about everything. Let's pray as a church. Let's pray about next week, not giving the enemy a seat at our table, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And our minds are so complex. Our thoughts. Meditate, he said. Ruminate, cogitate. Let your mind be stimulated on that which is good. And then number four, it says, and here it comes, the peace comes. And I just call it this, enjoy the peace. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Can, can anybody witness to that? Can anybody testify to that? Have you ever walked with the Lord so long that when all hell has broken loose in your life and you should be a basket case, you should be absolutely just pulling your every little hair out of your head. You're going, I just cannot explain this, but I've got the peace of God. Anybody ever had that? It is amazing. It is an amazing thing. And, and people don't understand it. And, and people look at you and you go like, well, how, you know, how are you, how are you doing that? I mean, the Trimble family, I don't know if y'all saw them earlier. They walk up here. Precious Tessa's, you know, walking with a limp and, and battle, brain cancer, and just trial after trial. Man. You know, they look and say, what are y'all doing in church? Aren't you mad at God? Why are you here dedicating little Tanner? Why are you dedicating your baby? Hasn't God failed you enough? Hasn't God disappointed you? And they said, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. We're going to serve God. We're going to honor God. We're going to walk with God. And we're going to focus on the good thing. Y'all saw a living, breathing, those of you that were here, <laughs> 11 o'clock, if you were here, you saw it. I mean, just a testimony that I choose Joy. I choose to focus on the good and enjoy the peace of God. Can I close with this? Aren't you glad sometimes that God says no? Aren't you glad? There are times that God loves us so much he doesn't give us what we ask for. And I want to share a couple of stories with you. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to have our invitation and uh, we'll beat the Methodists out for lunch, okay? And we'll, we'll, we'll get out around the Presbyterians or whatever y'all need to do. And, and Craig Groeschel, he, he tells a story, and it's one of the most profound stories in the whole book, winning the war in your mind. His dad was a professional baseball player, and he said, I was going to be a professional baseball player. It was just written in the code and the genes and... He said, I, I was good. He said, I could play baseball 
really well my eighth grade year. He said my baseball team was the best in our league. We made it to the championship game. This is Craig Rochelle, pastor of Life Church TV, and he said I was the starting pitcher. Now, that's a big deal. Now, y'all know that when you're in middle school, it's life and death, right? I mean, you know, it's the middle school is like everything is just, you know, it's just crazy. The night before, true story, he went to a batting cage to take uh, batting practice. And he was by himself, and there was a, there was a velocity meter or whatever, and you can, you can put it up or you can keep it for the middle schoolers and the high schoolers. And he took it all the way up to professional league. And he says, I got this. I can hit this ball. And he's sitting there, and that ball came at him so fast, and it was an inside pitch, and he tried to get out of the way, and it hit him right on his pitching hand. Shattered his fingers. Broke all of his bones in his fingers. He said, needless to say, <laughs> I did not pitch the next day. I was so mad at <laughs> Not mad at himself, you know, for being proud and going into the batting cage. No, he got mad at God, just like some of you are right now, today. Then to make matters worse, he said, it's like what we told our kids when they were in high school, guess what? We're moving. <laughs> that goes over like a lead balloon. When you have kids in high school and you say, we're moving to a new city, a new state. He's like, you gotta be kidding me. So he moves to Ardmore, Oklahoma. He calls it the armpit of the world. I'm not, I'm not saying that. That's what he called it. He said, you stop in Ardmore because you don't have, you gotta go to the bathroom. You know, you, literally. And he says, I go there and... He said, um, somebody said, Craig, you, you ought to play tennis. He said, tennis? Tennis? He said, yeah, you're, you're a good athlete. You got good eye-hand coordination, and you ought to play. And so ninth grade, he said, I went out for the high school uh, tennis team, and he, there were six spots on the travel squad. He got the sixth spot as a ninth grader. He said, baseball season came around, and he just started shaking. I mean, he's a gifted baseball player. He's like, I can't do that. I, and he, he had visions of going back and uh, trying to hit a ball and, and the ball hitting him. He said, I'm, I'm not, he never played again. But this thing about tennis, he said, I got interested. The next year, he said, I tried, not only did I try out, but I, I, not only did I make the team, but I was the number one player on the whole team. And I took our team to the state championship and we won the state championship in Oklahoma. And he said, and I got a scholarship at a college, a full-ride scholarship to play, not baseball, but tennis. And he said, and then when I was playing there, he said, I fell into all kinds of sin and immorality, and I was just hitting the very bottom. And that's when Jesus Christ radically changed my life. He said, I was born again. I was saved by God while on a tennis scholarship, not playing baseball. And then he said, I got so on fire for God, people started laughing at me and calling me a Jesus freak. And one lady came up to me and says, Craig, you are such a Jesus-loving kind of person. You need to meet this lady. He says, well, tell me about it. He said, she's a Jesus freak like you. We think you guys are going to really hit it off. Y'all probably get married. That's exactly what happened. And here's what he says in his book. Here's his words. That's exactly what happened. Boom. And why did that happen? 
because of what God did not do. He did not answer my prayer to make me a professional baseball player like my dad. Instead, today, by the way, he pastors the largest church in America, this, this guy, Craig. Can I tell you all my no story? It's not near as dramatic, but I like to tell it. Well, sure, go ahead, brother. Okay, well, let me tell you my story. Well, I'm... I'm uh, in high school, um, see, my senior year of high school, I start dating Camille Salter. And Camille is five foot ten. <laughs> what is y'all's problem? No, I'm kidding. We went to the prom, Kurt. We went to the prom, and I got the tallest shoes, y'all. They were this tall. I was still four inches shorter. It was amazing than her. You ever slow dance, you know, like this? Anyhow, it really is. It's really funny. But I mean, I, I was just head over. She's, she's a beautiful lady. I'm telling you, I, she, she, she was. I'm sure she still is. My first year of college, I go to college and just coming home every weekend because my girlfriend is at my hometown. Until that day in the spring, she gave me the dreaded news, and um, she said, I think we need to see other people. Oh, why are you saying that? That's, that's not cool. I don't want to see anybody else. She goes, but I do, and I'm, I'm ending this relationship. I was like, man, that is awful. By the way, have you ever had your heart just broken? Man, I went home. I cried like a baby, and my sweet, dear mother, she said, Dan, you and I need to go for a walk. So my mom and I, on country roads of Alabama, we go walking, and uh, she goes, I just want to tell you something, Dan. I, I knew Camille was, she's not the one for you, but God has somebody for you. Just haven't met her yet. You just ain't met her yet, but it's coming. Okay, mom, okay. I'm just crying. I'm just sad as I can be. True story. The next day, I get a phone call on the landline. You know, the, the phones, you know, no cell phones, you know. And it's Camille saying, I made a mistake. We need to get back together. And I have this look on my face, and I'm going, and I look across the kitchen to my mom, and here's, my, here's what my mom did. <laughs> it's like, she read the conversation. How did she, how did she even know that? And she's like, and I, and I did. I said, I, no, I said, yeah, let's, let's just, no. And so I go back to school. And I finish up my, my, my freshman year. My sophomore year was, was really a crazy, crazy year for me in college. That's when I, I gave my life to the Lord. I really surrendered my life to the Lord. Like some of you need to do that. Y'all really need to just give it up. Just give your life to Christ. And then the junior year, shazam. Here she come. And... I met Ashley, and um, we started talking, we started dating, and Camille gets word to me. She's like, I need to speak to you. And so I'm like, okay. She goes, will you come to my house? And so I said, I, I, I will. And I'm, Ashley and I just started dating, and I'm sitting on the swing with this porch, and Camille, she's like, is there a chance for us? 
And I just got real nervous and I was thinking, I'm confused, you know, I'm, I'm like, oh goodness, I, I, I just thought you were the love of my life. Now I think I've met the love of my life. And she goes, well, let's go into the house and let's just, let's go sit down and talk. So we go into the house, y'all, this is truth. This is the truth before the Lord. This is what happened. I'm sitting on the sofa and I'm nervous and Camille's sitting next to me and I look across the living room in the biggest, boldest letters I have ever seen were these, were these letters, A. S-H-L-E-Y, Ashley. I'm serious. I about passed out. I said, are y'all seeing that? Or is it, am I having a vision? Is this something? And it's the brand name of the fireplace. It says Ashley on it. Ashley on it. <laughs> and I said, I said, Camille, I, it, no, I have met the woman for me, and, and it's, her name is Ashley. And, and, and I'll never forget, Camille said, it's like she said, okay. She said, this is good. I wish you the best. And she went on to marry a, a veterinarian, and she lives, I guess, in Alabama. I've never seen her or heard of her in 30-something years. And I'm so glad that God said no. <laughs> he said, and he said no. So... So let's pray together, and I want to encourage you as I lead you in prayer. Um, some of you are here today, and I, I know you're hurt. You know, I know you're disappointed. And I would say to you, you just, you just got to hang in there. God, he really is not holding out on you. He loves you. He loves you so much that like a parent would love their child and say, please don't, don't go there, don't do that. Maybe that you're in that season right now. Some of you this morning, I'm, I'm just going to kind of lean into you for just a moment, and I, I hope you receive this well. And I don't know how else to say it, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I hope you're listening. I hope your head's bowed and your eyes are closed. I really do. I'm asking you just to be in a posture of humility and a posture of prayer. And those of you that are online, I, I welcome you. I welcome you to do this exercise with me. Here it comes. Here it comes. Some of you need to be saved. You need to give your life to Christ. If you don't, it's always going to be somebody else's fault. Everybody's always going to be against you. Even God's holding out on you. You haven't met him yet. You haven't met Jesus when you meet him. When you meet him and you really surrender your heart to him, he changes everything. I'm going to invite you. I don't know why it's so impressed upon me this morning, maybe because it's Mother's Day, but there's some ladies here today who need to give your heart to Christ. You've been hurt. You've even been abused and violated, and you have been so grossly disappointed. And I want to ask you, would you come to the Lord, and would you, would you give it to Him? In prayer, would you just say, God, I'm a mess. I need you. Some of you guys here today, you know it, don't you? You, you feel it. You sense it. It's never your fault. You're always right. 
It's always somebody's against you. You, you haven't met Christ. Look, when you really meet the Lord, he, he changes that attitude. So I'm going to say a prayer for you, and I want you to pray this with me. And praise the Lord, Wednesday night, uh, Ross and Stephen and Richard and I had an opportunity to lead a military guy to Christ right here in the sanctuary after prayer meeting. So cool what God does when we pray. And I'm going to, I'm going to lead you in that prayer that Ross led our friend in, and it, and it just goes something like this, and I really encourage you to pray it. Uh, dear God, I know, I know it's me. It's me. I need you. I invite you into my life, Jesus. Come in. Take over. Take control. By faith, I give it all over to you. Save me. Help me. Cleanse me. I need you. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe there are many of you and many of you online that just prayed with me. You gave your heart. You gave your life to Christ. I know when I did in January of 1984 in my home in Mobile, Alabama, in that sophomore year, lots of confusion, lots of doubt, lots of worry. Look, what you just prayed with me a moment ago, if you really believe that and you're, you lean into that, God changed everything. He forgave you. His Holy Spirit has come in you. You feel that? You feel that peace? Do you feel anxiety leaving your body? Holy Spirit, He's welcome in your life. I want you to walk with the Lord. I want you to do what Samuel did this morning. I want you to follow the Lord in baptism. I want you to get, get surrounded with some other godly ladies and men, with some other godly men, and, and walk, walk with the Lord. Will every day be rosy and cheerful and happy? No. Will you, like your pastor, have to battle some, some fierce battles with depression and discouragement? Yes. Is victory assured? Yes. You mean God's word really does work? Yes. You mean if I memorize the Bible and when those tempting thoughts and those anxiety thoughts, they come in, I memorize the scripture and I, and I replace those thoughts with the word of God, God gives peace? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I am a living, breathing testimony of the peace that passes all understanding. Father, we praise you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. God, it is a life preserver. To all of us drowning in our anxiety, that we drown in our self-pity, you threw that preserve and we grab it. We hold on to it. And I'm going to pray for you, friend. I'm praying for you right now as you give your life to Christ. And you did. Many of you did. You testify. Come, tell us. Let us rejoice with you today. On this Mother's Day, hallelujah, may the 8th, 2022, forever changed your life. And we rejoice with you. Father, we're praying now for strength. We're praying for confidence. We're praying for no fear. We're praying that these aisles at this Baptist church would be opened up and, and there would be no impediments, no spiritual hurdles, but we just come. 
come confessing salvation, come confessing Christ, come ready for baptism, come, uh, Lord, just giving you our all today. Lord, we're praying that you do a sweet work right here, right now. In Jesus' name, we pray.